sometimes I think that certainty is the is the enemy of faith. Yeah. Because if we're certain about something, it no longer takes the trust out of it. We're in control when right. we're certain about outcomes or definitions or identities. But the way to explain God is uncertain. Welcome to the Celebration Community Church podcast, where we exist to meet God, grow in Him, and serve through Him. Welcome to the Celebration Community Church Podcast. I'm Nathan. And I'm Derek. Derek. Yes, sir. Sometimes you have been given a a fairly unfair title as okay. a boring person or a depressing person. <laughs> yes. So I just want to ask you, what is something that about the, the church's present or future that just excites you, that makes you feel like we're doing the right thing, we're going in the right direction? You know, I think first of all, I'm I'm boring and I'm depressing mostly because of the tone of my voice. So, um, and then just my calm demeanor. So, I'm not nearly as boring and depressing as I come across. So, um, <laughs> at least all T- the time. At TBD, least all the time, Derek, right? Come on. Yeah, there's there's probably moments that people would disagree with that statement, but um, you know. I think I'm most excited of just you know obviously having gone through a crazy season with. Um, not only the pandemic for our church, but also a roof blowing off and things like that. Um, looking back, something that, that really excites me is just seeing how our church family has handled all of that and how um, just incredible our church family still is to this day. Um, that's obviously something that's an in- incredibly um, attractive thing within celebration is just the people and um something that has made me want to stick around after college and and have a career here and become um, figuring out my calling and and all of that. So as I look back, I obviously have very fond and encouraging memories um, of that. But just looking forward, I just see um, God moving and working in so many different ways, whether that's through our our vision and our needs adoptions with spiritual development, seeing people growing in their faith, if that's um, foster and adoption and, and the progress that we see being there. There's still a long way to go, but we see steps in the right direction. Um, our IDD focus within our needs adoption, just seeing the way we're reaching that group of people, not only here within our church, but also the way our community is responding with the ARC Park and and things like that. You know, that's extremely encouraging uh, to me and gets me excited. Um, and then obviously our, our Haiti um, part of our vision and, and orphans and other other parts of the world, you know, that's something that is is extremely difficult. Um, but having people who are who are in the the mud of that and and doing it in the in the Saint Peter specifically is um, incredible. And you know, we're recording this actually the day after the the president of of Haiti was assassinated. Right. Um, and so having been in contact with Mark and Avery. Um, over the last couple of the last day or so, um, just seeing their faith and their courage in the midst of what is certainly an uncertain time in that nation um, is is encouraging to me. Um, and so, you know, I think that I, I just look at what our church is doing and where I see our church going, and I'm just encouraged, and and that excites me. Um, I. I have, I've, I've always been someone who's wanted to be involved in something that's making a difference, involved in something that is, makes me feel like my time is meaningful. I, I, I can't just go through the motions of stuff. Um, you know, if I had a job where I would just had to show up and sort things for no apparent reason, I wouldn't serve. I couldn't do it. Like, mm-hmm. there's no way I could right. do that job. There's some people who that's their gifting, and they, my wife, she is all about organization and getting things put in a specific way. She thrives on that. I don't. I've got to have something that I feel like is bigger than me, and and I definitely get that here at our church. Um, and again, mainly because I see what God is doing in them, in spite of us. Yeah, listeners, if you are engaging this, with this right now, just take a second and and pray for the people who Absolutely. are involved in that vision. And you yourself are, if you're a listener, because what we hope as a goal of this podcast is to help you to love God and to experience God's love. And I would 
call that spiritual development and spiritual Absolutely. maturity because it, if it's as transformational as we seem to think that it is, then yeah. just engaging in that would be important. So first, pray for yourself and then pray for the people who are, as Derek said, on the ground, um, actually working toward seeing God's kingdom yeah. on earth. Um, just as a recap, because I think it's always helpful to remember what the vision actually is. There are two components to the vision, the first being spiritual development, the right. second being uh, needs adoption. Just as a pastoral note, is there a, a measurement of fulfillment of either of those two things, or do we just continue to work towards goals that we will never attain? What do you, and Pastor Brandt, obviously, what is the, the fulfillment of said vision or is there sure. something that that moves out beyond you know this is sounds like a, a short-term plan what is the long-term plan sure yeah no absolutely i th i think again kind of a twofold answer for you first looking at spiritual development really hard to adequately set measures now can we see growth within people absolutely right. can we see them being more faithful in in their finances in in their words in in how they spend their time absolutely um, and so there's growth that's there, but as far as setting a measure like, okay, we want to get everybody in your church to this spiritual level by 2025, <laughs> like there's not, that doesn't exist. That's not a, that's not a real thing. Um, ultimately we receive the prize when we die. And right. so, so we should constantly be growing. So in that, uh, in that, um, instance, um, obviously if we don't see or feel that there's growth happening, there's something off and we need to reevaluate that and we need to think about that. But at the same time, there's not that end all be all goal in spiritual development now needs adoption. Of course, the, the perfect goal of foster care would be that there's not a kid who doesn't to have eliminate a home, the need, right, right to eliminate the need. Now that's a very, very big goal. Right. And, and so multifaceted because right. it has to do with things that are out of the locus of control of our church. Abs absolutely. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we're not going to try. Right. Now, when we look at certain things like the, the IDD part of our vision, right. that may transition from a needs adoption within our vision to more of a ministry look at our church. Um, you know, that's something that, that, that may happen. Um, we, we look at these different things as um, each of them is kind of different. Um, right. You know, same thing with when we look at, you know, we talked a little bit about Mark and Avery, St. Peter and Haiti, you know, kind of they have a similar goal in orphans in Haiti as we do talking about foster kids here in, in Kansas. And so, um, but again, that's, an, that's a very, very big vision and big goal. And so, um, you know, I, I, there are measurements and there are goals, uh, but at the same time, it's taking steps forward at this point and where it's at. Now we have talked about there may be additional um, needs adoptions that come up within our church. One that our church has has felt pretty strongly about for the last at least year, a little longer than that even, um, is is just mental health and and feeling that that the church and, and and not just talking specifically celebration, but the church as a whole, the global church has ignored a lot of mental health things for a long time and that the church maybe needs to step in there and have the spiritual side of that as well. And so again, do we know what that looks like? Absolutely not. Not at this point. We are are praying about that and allowing God to kind of reveal that to us. Um, but as far as as measurements, yes. <laughs> but kinda, also kinda, yeah. yeah, but also at the same point there's days where it's just like okay, we got to take the next right step forward and try to figure out, you know, and and yeah. and full transparency when we talk about like the foster care system, there's there is a lot of red tape and government stuff that's hard to even get clear answers sometimes and so that can be extremely frustrating, but that doesn't mean we give up on what we know God's calling us to do. Right. Yeah, I I think that it's important to note that this isn't just something to fulfill and then move to the next thing, but it yeah. sounds as if these desires are going to become integral parts of the identity of our church, whether something moves from vision to something more ministerial, that would be fine, but it's not as if this is going to just go away, right. which I, I really appreciate that. I'm excited about the future too. I love the idea of people in our church, in our community flourishing. Mm -hmm. um, and there is a component of development that happens with that. One of the, the parts of spiritual development that I guess that I work 
most closely with is just talking about learning about the Bible, obviously yeah. with teaching the, the Bible class, with trying to introduce the the sacraments that we do during a service and obviously the podcast um one of the things that i want people to do is is to love god with their minds to set their knowledge as not just an intellectual pursuit to help make them sound good but to know god is to be able to love god and we are going to jump into like the biggest most difficult (laughs) question that I think that we possibly can because everything else flows out of this. And the question is, who is God? <laughs> what is God? How, how is God? We might as well get all the yeah. questions of the, uh, of the English language. What we're going to try to do and obviously fall very, very short of doing this because to describe the, um, the eternal, the unending... <laughs> The indescribable, to um, to borrow Chris Tomlin, yeah. is <laughs> is going to be a an exercise in futility, yeah. but also a the the closer that we get to the truth that is God, the closer we get to see and to allow ourselves to be loved in spirit and in truth as as Jesus commands us to worship. So yeah. here we go. We're we're starting the first of two episodes that are going to be kind of loosely based on God's triune nature. And tri meaning three, yun kind of being that prefix of unity, so right. three together, which, you know, is is hard to explain. But what we're going to do is we're going to set the foundation for that. We're just going to talk about the Father, God the Father, God the Son, or Jesus as we typically know him more by, and then God the Spirit how they interact, how they work in the in the world today. And then we're going to try to talk about the Trinity, some of the heresies. Heresy yeah. just means an incorrect belief about God um, or an incorrect description of God and, um, and how we should tr- rightly try to explain things like the Trinity, believe things like the Trinity, participate in the work of the Trinity. So yeah. while this question probably is the life work of many people. Yeah. We're going to try to put it into 40 minutes. So this and, is and, just... and that's that's what I was going to yeah. say Nathan is is these are important questions to ask. These are and our and our hope with these episodes is that it's the beginning the beginning stage of conversations and thoughts and questions and ideas and study for people because exactly there are people who have dedicated their entire life theologians for thousands of years right. who have dedicated their entire lives to answering these questions and at the end of their life not being able to answer those questions much better than faith and and that's an important aspect of this as well is that it, it God is indescribable and we do not know everything about him and if we did then he wouldn't really be God, right? Yeah. And so I think that that's an important thing just to preface this with, that that there is no possible way in a 40-minute episode or two 40-minute episodes that we could possibly cover everything, nor will everything that we say probably be exactly right. Um, but it, it is a important questions to ask ourselves, even knowing that we can't get to the perfect concrete answers that sometimes we like to have as human beings. Right. The Sometimes I think that certainty is the is the enemy of faith. Yeah. Because if we're certain about something, it no longer takes the trust out of it. We're in control when right. we're certain about outcomes or definitions or identities. But the way to explain God is uncertain. Right. And it's incomplete because I am limited by the way that I exist in the world yeah. and the way that I think about things. But what I can do is I can, like you were saying before, take the next right step right. and Absolutely. to attempt to come one step closer to God in one day. And like sometimes I think that we we put all of this burden on ourselves, forgetting that God is near and walking with us and aiding us in learning about who he is in the world. And that's like the relationship that really matters. And then the the function is for me to take that same way that God behaves toward me and to behave that way to other people sure. to really bring about flourishing.
let's uh, let's jump in. The the first place that I want to go is the very beginning of the scriptures, Genesis 1-1, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The first thing that I want to do is I want to say God is typically a title rather than a name. God, the God that we believe in's name is Yahweh, right? right? And this is just a little aside. Every time that you read the scriptures, if you see the word Lord capitalized, what you'll notice is that's actually where they're translating Yahweh from. Right. So you'll see the Lord God did this. That is typically Elohim Yahweh, I believe, which Lord just refers to the title God. Right. You know, we could talk about the Greek gods or the Roman gods, and they would all have that title correct. But when we talk about Yahweh, that is God's name. Yes. So when we think of I don't know how to even explain this, but to what we typically do is we just interchange that. And yeah. it's okay to interchange that because when we think of titles like teacher or doctor or pastor, right. you wouldn't be offended if someone came up to you and referred to you as pastor, right? right. Now, is that your name and totally unique to you? No, it's not. But the same information is connected. So you know, maybe a question that you've been worried about asking is like, when I pray to God, who do I who do I say I'm talking to? Yeah. If there's three parts of God, God is just fine. And God, you know, I think that God far more we've we've talked about this with communion, talked about it with baptism. Far more than the medium, the words by which you are communicating, God wants to hear your voice right. and you attempting to address and and to that end like there is there is love to be distributed to you. Yep. All that to say, let's go let's go back into this. Who is God? Let's talk about first God the Father. Mm-hmm. On our website we have this little blurb and I think that this is a, a good place to start. God is the creator and the ruler of the universe. He has eternally existed in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are co-equal and one with God. And then there are some scriptures that you can go through and and read. It's talking about Genesis 1, talking about some scriptures in Matthew as well. That would be more about Jesus. Um, And then Acts and And then the epistles are going to talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit because that kind of helps with our timeline. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, God is typically referred to as the Father in the Old Testament, though there are some mentions of the Spirit of God. And and theologians now, thinking about the Bible through the lens of Jesus, would say things like, oh, in Genesis 3, when the, when God is talking to the serpent and says that there's coming an offspring of Eve that you will bruise their heel, but he will strike your head. Right. That's a reference to to Jesus. We we talk about the Father as the creator, the one who is in control of the universe, and we also talk about the Father as a as a judge there at the end of, of the scriptures talking about what is going to happen when God chooses to return to the earth. Derek, a question I kind of have for you is like, what is the Father's role, God the Father's role today? What is what's happening? What's what's He doing? Yeah, the you know we we look at the Father as you said, Creator. Um, we are image bearers of of God. Now we do see when that when that gets listed, made in our image. So we see like we talk about that triune nature of God. But when we talk about God the Father, this is most often in today in churches, when the term God is used, most often it is in reference to the Father. Because when we talk about the Son, we will say Jesus, or we will say the Son, or we will say Christ. When we talk about the Spirit, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And so most often when we are saying God, we are are referencing the Father. And now, again, that is not exclusive, and that is not 100% of the time true, but more often than not, when the term God is used, that is who we are referencing as Father. Now, we still see the Father as the ultimate um, judge, as you said in the end, that Jesus would go to set at his right hand 
right? That God is still God the Father. There is this reality of, of the Father is the, the creator and the orchestrator. And when we talk of um, God being omnipresent and all of these things, those are, are the ultimate characteristics of the Father. Now, do Jesus and the Holy Spirit have some of those same characteristics? Yes. And, and there, that is where this becomes very confusing for our human minds. Um, but as far as what is, what is God doing, you know, he is not that, that judge setting up just watching and, and um, making a mark on either the positive or the negative side for us to decide if we get into heaven. He is very much involved in, in our lives and caring for us and providing for us and loving us. Um, and and is that loving father that we talk about so often that is far better than earthly fathers and and earthly men um, at providing and caring for his his children right so let's move on to the son of god yes. um you know the in John's gospel, we, we see something about the word of God and the word becomes flesh and dwells among us. I think that one of the things that makes this so difficult to, um, to talk about as, as people is what we do is we explain things out of our experience. And what we can't explain, we like to anthropomorphize, which is to describe using human qualities. And outside of Jesus... Is that where God? anamorphs came from? <laughs> oh, that is is it? That is too rich. That, uh, yeah, sorry, that that just popped into my head. Like I would, I would say that like the the prefix ana is, is more animal. pretty pretty often. Okay. It just ha- refers to nature. So typically, when you talk about developing humans, the first human religions were animistic. Okay. So they worshipped nature and yeah. and things like that. But okay. maybe anamorphs comes from um, people being able to. Um, morph into animals, that right? Is, that's where the book series <laughs> came from. So, <laughs> with uh, the cool ho- holographic, uh, oh man, I, I love those well. books when I was in elementary school. <laughs> I think I got most of my accelerated reader points on animorph books. Bingo! <laughs> if you're listening, and uh, shout us out for animorphs as well. Yeah, if you're looking for book <laughs> recommendations. I'm I'm so glad that that's your book recommendation. <laughs> it is, is like, not, you know, out of, please don't out take of that all seriously. the things to read that would make you a better human, the Animorph series, fantastic. Yes. Now they're, I guess they're good, but yeah. Um, so basically, what I'm saying is we use human characteristics or human experiences to be able to categorize or characterize things that are not human. God mm-hmm. is not human. Um, we are made in God's image, and that mean that can get into a lot of fuzzy water, I guess. Yeah. Like, what does it mean to be made in the image? Does that mean that God, that we look like God and God has arms and legs? Does that mean that God had something in mind, an image in mind prior to creating us? We don't know, but there is a, a point where the divine enters into humanity, and that's right. through Jesus. What we call that is, the, or theologians call that the incarnation. Right. Incarnation the word literally means taking on flesh, God taking on the flesh of, of being a human in the world. So as we talk about Jesus, we, we say this on our website, Jesus is the son of God while being fully man and fully God. Try that one on for size. I still haven't figured it out. Jesus lived a sinless human life and offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of all people by dying on a cross. He arose from the dead after three days to demonstrate his power over sin and death. He ascended to heaven and will return someday in what is known as the second coming. Accepting the free gift of Christ's sacrifice is the only way to salvation. And again, there are some texts that you can read there in that reference Jesus. There's also some in the Old Testament, like Isaiah 9-6, when Isaiah is talking about he will be called Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, um, Everlasting God. I can't remember the fourth one off the top of my head. But um, so... Jesus is the is what's referred to as the Messiah. And right. what did the what does this word Messiah mean to the Israelites who are writing about it? The the Messiah, the Messiah would be one who had been, you know, you you talked about Isaiah 
And when we look at the Old Testament, there's there's minor prophets and there's major prophets. Isaiah being one of the major prophets, right? right? Exactly. And the reason for that is because these were prophets who were who were given um, given insight, given um, wisdom, given uh, word from God that there would be this one who would come, who would set his people free, who would make things right for his people. So the Israelites now in there again. This is where they struggled to fully understand what God meant, just as we fully, as we do in our human nature. (laughs) Likewise, right? right? Yeah. They believed what that meant was that there would be one who would come, who would become ruler, and in essence would make them the greatest nation in the world and everyone, instead of them being enslaved or um, under the rule and power of, of human rulers, that God would send someone to be their leader who would make them the strongest power in the world. Um, now, so again, as we look at this now, we realize that that's very much not what this meant, but they were waiting for the Messiah, the one who would come, who would set them free. Right. Now, what God was saying is, I will set my people free from their sins and they will have eternity with me, right. not set them free from being captives and become the greatest rulers in the world. Right. But this term Messiah was something that they would have looked to and they would have looked for this one that would come who would do all of these things that they had said, that they had heard from the prophets, that they had been taught by people for generations would come. And so this term Messiah would have been um, extremely important to them prior to Jesus coming. And now as we look back on it now, even more important because he wasn't just going to set them free from captivity. He was going to set them free from their sins and, and give them the opportunity of life with God for forever. Yeah. I think that the work of Christ is a, is a podcast episode in and of itself because there are so many things because it's not just like to save people from their sin, but it's also to break the social distinctions that Israel was God's chosen nation. Right. And now the church of made up of all humanity, right. or at least offered to all humanity, right. I should I suppose I should say, is is where God is. And and right. the church some, is some of the, Jesus' last words in the Great Commission to the exactly. ends of the earth, right? He doesn't say, make sure everyone in Israel knows. Exactly. It there's is there's the not the this earth. ethnic correlation right. to the presence of God as as we did see um in the in the Old Testament. Correct. Um, so I think that it's actually really helpful to talk about the Messiah as being God, God's chosen appointed ruler because that's a human quality yeah. of Jesus. There, be, Because we talk about Jesus as being fully God and fully man, we have to think of Jesus as human, as mm-hmm. experiencing emotions, as likely experiencing sickness. All of the things that are, are like bad, about the human experience with the exception of committing sin Sin. were things that Jesus lived through. The whole idea of Jesus' life is that he comes and dwells among us being the new Adam. This is one of the ways that the writers of the the New Testament talk about Christ. Adam, being a human, his job was to perform the functions of uh, caretaking in the world and of relating to God. And Jesus is the example in that sense of how we should live as humans. Now, this is one that, that I I think that that we we struggle to do. We we can think of Jesus as as man. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do we think of Jesus as God? What are the, what are some of the characteristics that Jesus shows that we should think of? Like this is not just a guy. This isn't just a profound teacher, sure. though he is. Right. right. How do we think of Jesus as God? You know, obviously, when Jesus is on Earth, we see his his healing power. We see his um, divine nature in in um, how he interacts with people from a perspective of things that he knows about them. Um, right. That a normal human would not know. The kind of allude to the characteristics of right. God the Father in right. the omniscience yes. about it being all being all knowing, um, and and just seeing that um, he he knows the ultimate plan. Like he's and again, 
as we see most often with the disciples, Jesus is trying to tell them what's going to happen and why he's here and what his purpose is and that he will be with them for a while, but he is then going back to with be with the Father to prepare a place for them. Um, he knows the plan. He knows why he's on earth. He knows that... Um, that that's not the human side of Jesus. That is the the God divine side of Jesus that that knows ultimately what is is to happen. And you know, and and then obviously in the miraculous power we see in changing water to wine in his first miracle, and healing people of sickness and disease and raising from the dead, we see all of these yeah. divine characteristics of God as and well. And important to mention as well, and this is the re- one of the reasons that gets him killed, is that he has the capacity to forgive sin. Yeah. And this is something, I, I just thought of it off the top of my head, so I'm uh-huh. over here typing, making sure that <laughs> I, I have the, the proper scripture to read. But I'm reading out of Mark 2 right now, and you may be familiar with this story. This is about uh, Jesus healing the paralyzed man that the friends bring through the roof. Just quoting off of chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law, we would have th- we would think of these as the Pharisees, were, were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And the thing that sometimes that we, we do is we give the Pharisees a bad rap. Yeah. The Pharisees are right there. There is no one who can forgive sin but Other God God. alone. Yeah. And Jesus is knowing that they're say that they're thinking this to themselves. They're not even saying it. Yeah. And he, and he shows another miraculous thing by, by knowing what they're saying, right. by forgiving the sins of this man, and then going on to heal the man of his malady. So just to summarize some of the characteristics of, of Jesus being, a, being God and how we think of Jesus as God is his miraculous power his capacity to forgive sins, and then characteristics of God such as omniscience. Now, again, this is one of those that gets into the weeds here, and it would have been nice for Jesus to throw something in like, oh, hey, the earth is an oblate spheroid, and (laughs) it'd be like, wow, that saved us like 1,500 years of scientific progress. That's great, but we can't have it all, right? Right. (laughs) There's actually a a far more serious and a far more interesting question about that, but we'll we'll just leave a pin in that because we're we're rolling on, we're making progress. One last thing I do want to say as we talk about the sun, is there is there is some some teaching out there that says that God that Jesus gave up his divine nature to come to earth to be fully human. Okay. The reason for that teaching is because then if Jesus did that, then we have the power to do everything that Jesus did on earth. Like because perform we don't miracles. Have a divine nature, right, because we saying? don't have divine nature. So in essence, the 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 incorrect teaching says that Jesus let go of his divinity to come to earth to become made man like us, to give us the examples of what we should really do as true followers. Meaning that Nathan, if you and I were really true followers of God, then we would be able to go and and heal people just like Jesus did. We'd be able to turn water into wine. We'd be able to do anything that Jesus did we are able to do as well if we are full followers because Jesus gave up his divinity. Now, that's biblically not accurate at all, and we see that multiple times throughout Scripture. Um, but that is a common teaching that's out there right now, which it, it, it's, not, it's not a biblically-based, biblically true thing, um, but that is something that, that we see increasing in popularity yeah. in our world So I today. think that this is actually a really good segue to talk mm-hmm. about the Spirit. Yeah. Um, because uh, first and foremost, <laughs> we, we probably need to make another episode just talking about some of that because sure. that's really interesting because there are things that could start to, to put us in a, a way of thinking because it's the author of C- Hebrews said that Jesus humbled himself to right. take on flesh. Yeah. Now, what does it mean to say yeah. that he humbled himself? I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm not sitting here as a theo- a theologian being uh-huh. like, well, I know how to speak a Greek and Hebrew. This is what right. it means. I'm doing the best that I can with the knowledge that I have. So sure. that, I think that that's that's a great place to to start talking mm-hmm. about some of the nuance that's there. Yeah. But man, do you hear the power differential in? saying that if you're a true follower, you'll be able to carry out yeah. these ex- executive functions of God. Man, what a what a hard thing 
that doesn't sound like Jesus. Right. When we look at the the example of Jesus, Jesus is a liberator. Yeah. And if we are are seeing these these places, <laughs> even when Jesus is telling someone to to repent and to turn away from their sin, the person then follows up by like telling everyone they know about it. Yeah. I don't know that if someone told me that if I wasn't if I was a true follower then I could do these and I'm not able to do anything right. like that that I would go and tell more people about God. Yeah. Um, maybe that's a good, and this might be an aside, but that's a good diagnostic tool to know yeah. that something is of God or is not of God. Yeah. Does it liberate people? Yeah. Does it let allow them to be free to be who God has made them? Yeah. If the answer is no, then it's probably not of God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus did a... not do the things that he did to be made more powerful and to be made more... Um, more of a ruler in the world's eyes, like you said, he was a liberator and setting people, setting people free. Yeah. And and if that's not our motive, then then our motive right. is probably wrong. Because uh, right. most importantly, our motives should line up with the motives of Jesus. There's a verse uh, that says, "The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead mm-hmm. now lives in you. Now indwells in the lives of believers." We're talking about the Holy Spirit here, right. and here's just the the summary of the um of the holy spirit in in our on our church's website it says the holy spirit is co-equal with the father and the son he is present in the world to make people aware of their need for jesus christ he also lives in every christian from the moment of salvation he provides the christian with power for living understanding of spiritual truth and guidance in doing what is right and he believe and he gives believers spiritual gifts when they are saved as Christians, we see, seek to live under his control daily. So it sounds as if God as spirit is the one, <laughs> not the one, is the primary way in which we experience God um, that is with us on our confession of salvation yes. on through tr- teaching and instructing us in the ways of following the example of Jesus to be made right with the Father. Is that a helpful summary of what the Spirit yeah. does? Yeah. How, I, how else might we think of what the Spirit is doing or what the Spirit consists of? Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's accurate. I think it's helpful, Nathan. I mean, we're told by Jesus that there will be one who he's sending that's a helper that's going to be there for us. You know... A lot of times, um, when I'm having conversations with people, and and they, you know, I I just don't feel like I really hear from God or connect with God, you know, whatever. And then I then I feel guilty about this or that or whatever, and and I'll say, okay, well, why are you feeling guilty? Well, it's just my conscience. Well, <laughs> you know, how, where how's that getting to your conscience? How's that? You know, there's there's a lot of of thought that that's in one of the ways that the Holy Spirit will bring about things that we need to adjust in our lives, right? When those things of conscience come up, when we're when we're challenging ourselves to to improve in in a certain area of of life, and so you know the we are told that the Holy Spirit is is active and that he is he is working in us and through us, and that you know. It, we, we like to, especially as humans and, and even more specifically as Americans, give ourselves a lot of credit for what we do and what we think and what we decide. Um, but there, but there's, there's, there's a lot that shows that God provides salvation and without him we can't even accept it, right? And that it is the work of the Holy Spirit um, in us that even leads us to that moment of salvation. And, and so, um, you know, I, th- I think that I think the Holy Spirit's active in us and doing a whole lot more than we ever will fully comprehend, partly because we have such a um, selfish nature um, and like to give ourselves a credit for a lot of things. Yeah. But. And, you know, talking about, you know, this kind of refers to an experience where you hear the voice of God yeah. and the method by which you are able to hear the voice of God. I can honestly say that in my life I've never heard the voice of God, whether audibly or like in terms of knowing that something was absolutely from God. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit, whether 
working in conjunction with my consciousness and intellect or um, leading me in a, a way, arranging things in my life to then figure something out about sure. how I should live. Just because I can explain something doesn't mean that God is not present. Right. So one of the things that, that I take a lot of solace in is believing that the Spirit is at work even when I don't know about it. And I ask God, please make me aware of this so that I can be a better listener, you know, because I do think that it's in conjunction with my willpower. If I'm maturing as a Christian, my will should look a lot more like Christ's will. And to live a life that's consistent with the things that I believe would be the ultimate mark of me maturing. So I, I have I have an example of uh, that maybe will help people just to kind of see like so for for myself as a pastor when I'm preparing a sermon, um, you know I'll I'll do a lot of study and and reading things and and just you know praying uh, about something. But but I think the most powerful thing I do in preparing for for writing my sermon. So I I, I believe that God is active in the moments that I'm sitting at my desk and my computer and I'm, and I'm writing the message that I'm supposed to give for, for that weekend or whenever it is. And I also believe that the Spirit is very active when I'm giving the message. And so here, here's how I see that working. When I'm sitting and it's me alone with resources and, and praying, when, when, when I'm reading through stuff and something, something all of a sudden just clicks in my head and like, okay, this is how I can use this truth to to um, fit into this message and and or or how I can make my message fit around this truth is more accurate. How how the message becomes um, what it's supposed to be. Honestly, I'm a terrible I'm a terrible writer. I'm not great with words, and I'm not the brightest person that I've ever met. But I feel that the Holy Spirit is at work when I'm sitting there writing a message that that I couldn't do without His help. Um, then when I'm getting up and before I'm walking out on the platform or, or if I'm, I'm, I'm preaching another place, I will always at, at least say this simple prayer, God, whatever you need me to say today to your people, may it be so, whether it's what I've written down or it's something completely different. There are moments when I'm preaching where I feel like I need to say something. And even like here at Celebration, we have four weekend services. There are certain services where I feel, and it may just be a sentence that I need to say, I will feel like I need to say this, even though I haven't said it in the other three services, for some reason I need to say this. Sometimes maybe that's just my mind playing tricks on me. That's possible. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna deny that. But I think a lot of times, excuse me, I think a lot of times there's somebody sitting there who needs that little bit of truth from God and chooses to use me for whatever reason to speak that in that moment. And there's been times where that part that I said in that message is what someone comes up and says really spoke to them that day. Not every time, but sometimes. Um, and so I, I, th- I think from, from, from me as a pastor, that, that's where um, when I'm in, engaged with a congregation, whether that's in writing the sermon in preparation or giving the sermon, where I see the Holy Spirit at work actively. Um, or, and also there's people who've come up to me and said, I really just loved when you said this. And I'm like, I don't think I said that. <laughs> right. But, but this is what God gave them through, through what was be sent, what, what they needed to hear, what God was, was t- talking to them about during that time. And so, um, I think that, um, I think those are very real times where we see the Holy Spirit. Now, is that is that exclusive to being at church and that happening? Absolutely not. Um, but just an example of where where I've actively seen that happening. I feel in either preparation for a message or in the midst of of, of a message in the in the service. So my my knee jerk reaction to a lot of the instances where I've heard about the spirit at work is uh-huh. cynicism. Sure. You know, and that is, <laughs> I suppose, my cross to bear because I think that there have been so many manipulative ways yeah. that people of religious power have exercised that power over Absolutely. people rather than bringing liberation. And, you know, hearing you, you say this, you're, you're, you're mentioning something that I think is important to note, and it doesn't take this transcendent, um, trance-like experience to 
actually know that God is with you. Yeah. First and foremost, like hindsight is super practical. Yeah. There's always good in, in just asking yourself to look back and maybe you you take a journal or you take like something and and you you trace back your life and you ask how might God have been orchestrating this to be where I am now. And that's a reminder that, you know, he's been with me beforehand. I should fully expect if it's consistent with his character to be present, yeah, which that's really good. it is, that then he's here with me as well. And then also God is the redeemer of mundane things. Yeah. I've mentioned probably I mention every single week that my favorite thing is communion because it's yeah. bread and juice. Right. But it makes God makes it so much more meaningful. You know, you can be sitting there and and just a, a abstract thought and it might just be your consciousness wandering and there's nothing wrong with that. Just yeah. because it's explainable again doesn't mean that God isn't present with it. And if yeah. God loves us and is near to us, then we can, you know, really esteem that. And and we also have the scriptures, the the thing that we refer to as the word of God, yeah. right? To check our our bits and pieces of information and ask, you know, does this line up to be consistent? And if so, then we can say, yeah, that might have actually been like an evidence of the spirit in my life. But I don't need, I don't need to be like aware of the Holy Spirit just as if the Holy Spirit is in the room with me. Right. Because then again, there's not a lot of faith yeah. there. Do I do I really think and behave as if God is with me right. maybe if maybe if there was this shadowy presence <laughs> yeah. in the room then i would more but yeah. uh but i think that you know in in terms of functional practical theology the whole idea is that god is near to us yeah. and we should behave as if that is so even when it doesn't feel like it and and most often we don't even realize what he's doing when he's doing it and you know what you said about journaling and hindsight i think is so important the the first project I did in seminary, and I think we had you guys do this for C3LA, the Correct. Leadership Academy mm -hmm. as well, was a project called just our, our, our sticky note timeline. Mm -hmm. um, and basically what we did is you, you spent a, a lot of time sitting there thinking through key moments in your life and putting them down on sticky notes. And then you kind of lined it out over the course of what happened. Then you kind of divided those parts of your life up into these um, um, sections. And, and then at the end, what you saw was how God was weaving this all together. And I haven't done that now for, it's been 10 years um, since I've, since I've finished. Uh, it's probably been 12 years since I've did that. Cause I think I finished about 10 years ago. Um, and if I were to do that again today, you know, I thought I threw away a bunch of stuff in, in college with accounting classes and business classes and management classes that very much are helpful to me in my position here as associate pastor today right. that, at, at the time, I thought was going to be a waste when I decided to go into ministry, and now I see God taking those those things that I thought were just throwaway years and using them to to better prepare me for what 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 He was going to have me doing later on. And so, um, I, I think those are extremely um, helpful things. If you want to see if God is, if you want to see where God is working in your life, begin to journal about what you're praying about, about what's weighing on you, about what you're doing, about decisions you're supposed to be making. And then be able to go back and look at those. You'll see where God is working and moving, um, even when you don't realize it. And sometimes it does take us stopping, pausing, and looking back and going, "Oh wow, I didn't know that then, but now I can see what what God was doing." So, just to summarize and to conclude, I think the the question that you should ask when you learn anything is what is what is the real importance why do i need to know that yeah. god is father god is son god is spirit i think that one of the most important things that is in the bible is this concept of idolatry mm. and when we worship god too narrowly or in in a way that's not consistent with the character of God, we commit idolatry. And to know these these things as as Father, Son, and Spirit is is really a, a base level kind of thing. And that's okay. It's okay for that to be. But 
the more that I can say things that are true of God, the closer I get to worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And that's kind of the goal of, of my, my whole existence, right, is to live a life worshiping God in his rightful place in both the spiritual sense and the true sense that it is yeah. as well. Are there any other, like, if you were to be asked that question, why should why should I know about the Trinity? Why should I know Father, Son, Spirit? How would you answer that question? Yeah, this, I actually, they asked me this question on the Encounter podcast when I talked about the uh, Trinity after I gave a message. Um, and, you know, my answer is um, because we are to constantly be trying to get to know more and more of who God is uh, because that begins to teach us more and more of who we should be. Um, and so it, it does seem like a kind of a futile um, experiment. Like why try to learn things that we can't fully comprehend or know? Um, but the reality is, is just because we don't know the end all be all concrete answer of what this looks like, how this works, what this is, doesn't mean that we can't grow in our understanding of who God is as we look at it. And I think that's why it's so important for us to look at this. And, and, and again, then tells us who he is and how he's working in our life, how we should change who we are to be more like him, right? How, how can you become more Christ-like? How can you die to yourself and say, less of me, God, more of you, if you don't really know who that is? You know, oftentimes when we when we try to overexplain, we're never gonna get close enough. We're yeah. never gonna get. It's it's a selfish thing that we do because yeah. again, we're so concerned about our capacity rather than the wonder that is evoked from seeing who God is. And if God is love and wants to relate to us, I think He's pretty permissible about yeah. how we think, provided that like. We're giving a, a an honest attempt in getting yeah. to know him. I, you know, if if I were a, a great father, I would totally prefer my my kids' effort over the outcome that they deem yeah. necessary. Because I mean, that's what I that's what I try to do now. And yeah. if I can think of myself in in that sense as a father, then how much better is is God in that and that should lead us to to a place of repentance and a, and a place of just being like in awe yeah of, of who God is so maybe maybe it is just coming from just learning about who he is how he reacts in the world and, and knowing that in all of that he's chosen to call us sons and daughters so absolutely so that's part one we'll talk about part two and and how the Trinity relates to each other some of the the ways that people have thought wrong about God because spoiler alert still happens today in the exact same way. We'll see you next week.